Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Mikey Stafford here and joined by Rory O'Neill as always and this week by Kieran Whelan and Eamon Fitzmaurice, the two lads having made it back from deepest, darkest Castle Bar after their first TV outing. Um, you seem to get on all right with each other, lads. There's, you know, the the, the the friendship is is still there, even though we've thrown a couple of new lads at you. Whelo, everything okay? Canavan wasn't uh, causing trouble, was he? No, everything fantastic, you know. Uh, you know, nice, uh, nice venue to go to, I have to say, in Mayo. Uh, well looked after. Uh, great studio, halfway line. Really couldn't complain. Out of the rain, Mikey. You know what I mean? Like when you compare it to last year, having to go to Tralee and stand on the corner of the pitch and nearly end up being swept away. Uh, it was, it was a joy, absolute joy, and we got a good match as well. Um, he's, most... he's given, he's given out about Tralee, uh, Eamon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can't defend the studio down there, to be fair. <laughs> the studio? You mean the great outdoors? The Atlantic Sea, the Atlantic exactly. Seaboard? Exactly. Um, I thought it might be a, vile, a veiled jab at Rory, actually. Most of you probably won't know that Rory is um, having spent about half his life um, editing the Sunday game, either highlights or live shows, taking a, a step away from G8 on television so we can focus on the podcast so i wasn't sure if wheelo was having to go at rory there and some of his uh he was production no, choices no, no, i wouldn't i would i wouldn't do that mikey not, not at all not at all all right okay i'll take your word for it so anyway great, great start to the league great great actually was, like in was. fairness when you when you think of the intensity lads was, was just yeah. on another level like they're mm-hmm. lad, they were hopping off each other for for like first of february and you're kind of you know chatting to lee keegan and at the weekend you're saying like God, you go back 20 years and you come back the 1st of February and Eamon, you probably remember it as well. I certainly do when there was plenty <laughs> bit of junk in the trunk and you'd be kind of gasping for air after the t- for 10 minutes and, you know, chasing around some young lad trying to give him a clip. But, you know, it was... Uh, the, the lads are just at a different level now in terms of professionalism and they're just their their fitness and conditioning is just incredible even if Galway probably weren't at the same level but uh, incredible intensity and a great start to the league. Yeah. Hey, the... Um... And obviously it's it's kind of unfolded as we expected with uh, Ross Common and Donegal top of the table after beating the last two All Ireland champions. Just as we said in the preview, Rory, huh? Yeah, yeah. We got it all <laughs> we got it all spot on. But no, I one hundred percent I mean, look, I only watched the game on TV. It was a terrific game of football, open with some tempo. I mean, two quality, two quality goals, very different genres. Thunderbolt off the crossbar, and then the other one, the route one. Um, there's something really special about a goal that goes in off a post. I don't know what it is. It just looks more spectacular. But um, big crowd under lights, a little bit of controversy, you know. Um, but the fitness levels, I think, wheel are spot on. I mean, just to see the the pace and the tempo with which the teams are now coming back into the early stages of the league is very, very impressive. Mm. Um, certainly was a uh, c- couple of big issues to pick up on. Um, that's sarcasm, but Wheelow, you might have noticed Kevin McStay. Um, 
he's wearing a jacket over his banished door, babe. I don't know if he's like, is that okay? Are you allowed to do that? Is he is he clearly identified? Somebody else wearing the banished door, babe? No, no, he was wearing it, but he had a coat on over it. I just saw it as a, a former army man, you know, devil for detail. I just thought that he was chancing his arm there slightly. Now I think he'll have to he'll have to start behaving himself on the sideline. Um, Eamon, you mentioned it. Um, I think kind of Joe McQuillan and kind of some of the things he was picking up on. We always get it in the early rounds of the league. What do you think will be the uh, the rule and fraction du jour for the league that the steps. refs are going to be cracking down on? Yeah, steps was definitely the the feature of last weekend. But um, Brendan Colley obviously didn't get that memo because he left Killian O'Sullivan off with, uh, with his goal where he took a good few steps. But mm. um, there definitely there was a consistency across all the games that they were there was a bit of a focus on the the overcarrying, which is which is probably no harm because it, it had gone it probably had gone to ridiculous um, place in some in some regards. But uh, I thought Joe McQuillan did did well the last night. I have to say I thought he had a good game and he he got nearly all of the the calls right. There might have been soft free or two towards the end, but. Uh, that that's always going to happen if you get a forward going at going at his man, he's he's often going to get uh, you know the chance to get a free. But uh, I thought he was in game in fairness. Him. I think Eamon, that certainly the Mayo crowd felt the last free. The goal he got was um, a little soft, but there had been two or three tackles in the build up. You know, goal we were pressing, and there was two or three fair hardy hard hits. So and he let them go, and it was nearly like a cycle of. He's eventually going to give them one now here, you know what I mean, and 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 that's what unfolded, I think, at the end, because that last one definitely more, I think, looked more like a slip. Kind of hand came in over the top, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, I thought, I thought, in viewing at the time that their feet kind of came across each other. But you're right, yeah, I'd say Owen Finnerty slipped, but Ryan O'Donoghue had got a soft enough one off the ball as well. Do you remember that soft one inside, right in front of the goals? There didn't seem to be a huge pile of contact, so. um how to kind of balance up overall yeah um it did seem that way um and another well it's not even a rule it's this perfectly legitimate wheelo but it's one that grinds my gears is the uh is the fisted goal that has become a, a slap goal which um there was a lot of them over the weekend and i wonder when does a slap become a push because german murta's goal i don't know if you saw it it was you know, in snooker, he would have been called for a double contact, I think. So I'm just wondering, at what point does a does a slap become a push? Because I just think these goals, I just think they look really ugly. I just think they're, I don't think there's a whole lot of skill to them. I know there is in setting up the move and getting like the man open on the far side of the square. But the way they're finished, it's just, I don't know, just it, it just doesn't look very satisfying to me. Maybe just from a... Uh, yeah, yeah. to be honest, Mike, I don't really have a problem with it. Uh, you know, I think... You know, high ball coming into the square. Traditionally, you have to get something on it, whether that's a, a fist, a slap, a head, whatever you get on it, you try and get it in the direction of the goal. So uh, not a not a big issue for me, uh, to be honest with you. Okay, fair enough. Anybody want to back me up on this one? No, no. No, I like it. No. I'm... <laughs> I think it's your issue, Mikey. Get it checked out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, guys. It's good. To, it's good to have you back. Um, right. We look at a couple of games here. I, I, I know you're all excited about Galway Mayo because it was the one you're at. But I suppose, I think that the Donegal result does does kind of stand out yesterday for a few reasons. Um, uh, Eamon, obviously, it's the the All Ireland champions being beaten, even if they were, you know, down pretty much their entire forward line etc so um i don't think anybody in donegal was lighting bonfires last night or anything but at the same time given the off season they'd had number of injuries they themselves have 
And I guess the manner of it with Paddy McBrearty's first score of the game coming deep in injury time and it's an absolute peach to win it. Um, so you, you, you could see you could see why Paddy Carr was very happy afterwards. As I said, you know, you're not going to be, no one's, no one's uh, writing any kind of uh, sagas off the back of the first round of the league, but it, it probably changes the narrative a bit for Donegal, which is exactly what a new manager needs, isn't it? Yeah, that, and there appeared to be something in that, Mikey. Afterwards, his interview, he was um, <clears throat> he was a bit emotional. Um, it was like that the work that he's done over the last couple of months has been validated, and you know that there was a lot of outside noise. Maybe there wasn't a huge amount of positivity around the appointment and the length of time it took and everything else. So um, there definitely was uh, relief for Paddy Carr and, and Aidan O'Rourke and the management team um, and sometimes, obviously, like you said, they're not going to get carried away. But when you get a big win like that in the first round, think back to Armagh last year, um, when you're kind of maybe looking for something, it can give you a bit of momentum. They were missing a lot of their big players as well, the likes of Mike Langan, Kieran Thompson, Padder Morgan, Owen Bon Galler, Ryan McHugh. You know, they had a significant absentee list as well. And I think the huge thing was was the debutants and how good. Um, Kaelon McCulgan was uh, in particular, and also the wing forward, Johnny McCrody as well. They both had great games. And it was a kind of a feature across the weekend as mm. a lot of debutants did well uh, for, their, for their counties. Robinson from Kildare was very good as well. And similarly, some of the Mayo and Galway lads. But uh, uh, it was a huge win for, for Donegal, particularly if you'd asked me last week, I'd have given them a great shout because I knew that Kerry were quite short. When I saw the Kerry team Friday night, it was an experienced side. Okay, they're still down some of their their frontliners, but um, at the same time, Kerry six points up in the first half, uh, looking pretty good. You would have said uh, they would have fancied getting something out of it, and to come away and have to face that journey down with with with, with no point out of it would have been definitely disappointing for the the Kerry lads. Yeah, and. Um... Jack O'Connor had something to chew on anyway, Wheelow. There was uh, one of the aforementioned McCulgan's points in the first half was seemingly a yard wide. He saw it, the, uh, the linesman saw it, everyone in the stand saw it, but uh, the linesman didn't say anything to the umpire and uh, uh, Jack was uh, chalking it down to being the away team and you don't get those decisions, but it shouldn't happen in Division 1. It is odd, if the linesman saw that it was wide, you know, surely he would have communicated that to the referee and to the umpire wouldn't he that's what you would think mikey but you know <laughs> you know linesmen you know that they they operate in different ways but uh like certainly you could see jack o'connor was thick about it uh very much so after the match he he made a point to go over to the referee and uh he did confirm i think in his interview afterwards that the linesman agreed with him so you'd wonder why the linesman didn't intervene if he's a direct line to the referee having said that was there one in the second half maybe that Kerry got that looked maybe equally as dodgy? It kind of pulled on the wind and, you know, might have been... Oh, yeah, that, that one, yeah. It did look like it curled a lot. Yeah, so it might have balanced out. But, uh, like, I'd agree I'd agree with Eamon that, like, there was a bad, a bad vibe around Donegal and a lot of people writing them off. Um, and, and certainly after 15 minutes when Kerry went six up and Dara Roach was, was, was moving well, Donegal were turning over the ball stupidly, carrying into the tackle. Um, obviously, Darren Mining got a fortunate enough goal, but you were thinking, you know, that the the vibe that was there was going to kind of flow through, uh, and and Donegal were going to kind of uh, 
whimper out of the game. Uh, but you have to sh- the character that they showed, and and I think like it is, it, it's a massive win for them. The whole psychological shift change, you know, if that bad vibe was around the county and a lot of disquiet over the late appointments and 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 maybe what happened with Rory Cavan and that sort of stuff. So, uh, I thought they could take so much from it. For me, Quaylen McCalgan was the was the player of the weekend. Uh, I love to see a marauding hat, right half back charging forward, kick three, brilliant scores. I thought he was excellent. And you see a find like that, the puzzles they can take out of that. Connor O'Donnell, Darab Wheel, the half forward line. Uh, you know, there's huge, huge positives considering the the the, the people they're missing. We've mm. we've always like the one thing when you look at Donegal, a lot of people writing them off the start of the year. Like they, I know Michael Murphy's gone, but they still have a lot of quality players, lads. Still have a lot of quality mm. players, good good age profile. And a lot of quality to come back. through. Still a lot of potential there. So uh, I couldn't understand where people were kind of writing them off, um, you know, so early in the year without any sort of anything to judge them on uh, and not giving maybe the management a, a chance to lay out their stall and see what they could do. Just the two subs uh, made by Carr and Aidan O'Rourke, though, Rory, which suggests, you know, that there's talent there, but the depth is only so deep and, you know, they'll want those lads who are out with various knocks, et cetera, back pretty quickly. And then the other point is every one of these teams with serious ambitions, they have to build a squad because of the number of games they're playing, how intense it's going to be come early summer. So um, in a way, maybe the results overrided everything for Paddy Carr. I could understand that, but in later games, even with those injuries, it's going to be need to be blood and more than two substitutes per game, I'd say. Big time, but that's what this league will do. Lee mentioned it on the podcast on Thursday that teams may target early games in the league to try and get points on the board, use the remain, use the back end of the tournament to maybe uh, inject a little more depth into the squad. And I think from Paddy Carr's point of view, he gave a very emotional interview to Des on the radio yesterday. I don't know if you heard it. And he made specific mention to Creaselaw and the obvious tragedy that's befallen that poor community up there. And, you know, you could really sense in a radio context, given the fact that you couldn't actually see him, how emotional he was and how much it meant to him. And um, I think they'll take a little bit of heart. They have a very difficult, uh, they have a very difficult task next week, next weekend. But that, those two points are going to be very valuable to them now, given the fact that they're up and running. I think from a Kerry perspective, they were unlucky. I think they hit the post twice in the first 10 minutes, um, largely experimental side, some notable absentees, as we know. Gifted a handy goal now at the same time as Wheelow mentioned, but fair play to Darren Moynihan, shows the value of pressing up. Conditions, always tough up there. You know, you're kind of playing two different games, one with the wind, one without, really in Bally Buffet and certainly in January. But... I thought Kerry, I mean, I was very impressed with Mike Breen. Um, I think he will add a little bit of competition in that half back line. Is he going to unseat Obiogliuk or Gavin White? Maybe not, but he certainly adds a little bit of competition and Barry Sullivan in midfield, which may be a, like, I think from Kerry perspective, there's positions on that team that potentially up for grabs and midfield is definitely one of them, obviously with the, um, the exit of David Moore. But, you know, look, I think, Jack O'Connor will come away, I don't think, too unhappy with what he got from his team, certainly in the first half. Donegal, they still have, they have this uncanny ability to kick really difficult long-range scores. And if it's into a biting wind, it's nearly all the better. 
I, it was some incredible kicking. I mean, like really, really difficult stuff. Um, Patton's kickouts are just extraordinary. I mean, if there's a better weapon in terms of a goalkeeper being able to basically lamp the ball into the opponent's half of the field, I don't know anyone else that can do that, maybe with the exception of Began. So I think overall, two teams that will have come out with, and they'll take different things. Donegal, obviously, now will take a huge amount of momentum from it. And you'd hope for their sake, if they get these players back, that they'll drive on. But I don't know if Kerry will be all that upset about it either. No. Eamon, as a former Kerry manager, um, again, just to, it's a phrase we'll probably use a, a bit on this podcast. Uh, the first weekend of the league, you won't, you won't be, you, hung, you won't be hung for it. And you there's won't no be, crisis. There's no crisis in Kerry talk just yet. Eamon, yeah. You won't be lauded too much for it. <laughs> but at the same time, the amount of players there who are fighting for positions, you know, a very small number of positions, if, you know, um, if the if you count the first fifteen from last August or last July as you know kind of the uh, those in possession of the jersey, so there's um, a lot of competition there. in Jack O'Connor, in a way, would you think he won't be in a rush to rush back those kind of those kind of a listers or whatever you want to call them? Because this competition is very healthy, and you know, kind of let a, let a little bit of a Hunger Games vibe seep into the squad might be no harm. Well, the ideal situation and uh, that Jack would love is to be winning games with the younger players at the moment because uh, you're in control as the manager then and the lads that are away in their bit of deserved sabbatical will be looking to come back. Whereas when it's the other way around, if you're losing games and you're looking out the door for the lads, it's a different dynamic and it's not ideal. But um, I think that Jack will be quite disappointed with yesterday, to be honest, Mikey. I think that... Obviously, like you said, first weekend, no panic, etc. Of course, but just the fact that they put themselves in a position to win the game or definitely get something out of the game and they didn't. And just that long journey down last night mm. after a kind of a disappointing finish would, would be, wouldn't be ideal. But of course, he's going to want lads to stand up, uh, take their chances. In an ideal world, and Jim Gavin and Dublin were brilliant at this in their pomp, you're slipping in two or three guys together, giving them their chance, and they're playing with kind of 12 or 13 of the established team. Whereas if you're sticking in nine, 10 uh, relatively inexperienced players together, it's hard to make an impression. Now, having said that, the starting team yesterday had a lot of experience. Um, one, of the, one of the teachers in the school here told me this morning that uh, Ambrose O'Donovan, who's, uh, who does the colour on Radio Kerry, uh, yeah, he was. He said yesterday that um, all the talk this week was about uh, fellas putting up their hands. Uh, well, there's a lot of these fellas have to put their hands right down by their sides again. So uh, there isn't there isn't much patience in Kerry, and uh, the cracks start straight away. But within the camp, of course, there'll be no panic. Jesus, tough crowd. Tough crowd. <laughs> um, we'll 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 move on from from poor under siege Kerry so um <laughs> great great result um for Roscommon Wheelow um uh, 311 to 112 win over Tyrone and like leading at halftime Tyrone came back into it in the third quarter and then Roscommon scored you know three goals um there, there, the there's week. no sign the turning the point end. yeah um the, the introduction of Enda Smith who 
Um, he's just a phenomenal footballer. And I think as soon as he came into the game, Ross Common looked like a different team. I just, Davy Burke, no offense to the county of my, um, that I inhabit Wicklow, but, um, you know, having come from being Wicklow manager, Kildare under 20, to come in as, as Ross Common manager and to have those forwards at your disposal, you must feel like a kid in a sweet shop sometimes, I'd say. Yeah, uh, again, massive win for him and, and, and Ross Common probably been. Grow, you might describe them as Norwich City or something like that last week. You know, the, yeah. the, again, probably being tipped for for relegation, so it's a massive two points uh, for them. Um, and even Enda Smith, like his his vision for the pass for the goal, you know, the second mm-hmm. half was, was was unbelievable to pick a pick a player out. Mm-hmm. Uh, made a massive impact coming off the bench. Um, Tyrone, you felt once they got level, you felt they were going to kick on. Uh, you know, they're playing with the wind, so. Great resolve show from Roscommon to, to and it's a bit of a setback for Tyrone. I'd say, you yeah. know, you know they, they've a fair bit done preseason, wanting to make an early statement. Probably one of the teams you would feel might have ambitions of pushing on and trying to win the league, and they need to develop to get that confidence back. Um, that was distinctly lacking last year. So, fair play to Roscommon and Davy Burke. They, like that, a great start. And I think that 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 was one of the I suppose trends over the weekend to see. You know, it's it's exciting times because there's so many new managers coming in, and some are going to get momentum and, and and improve their teams, and some are going to struggle. But the likes of Davy uh, Burke and Paddy Carr and Colm O'Rourke, you know, the, the victories yesterday for those counties, uh, you know, certainly makes going into training and choosing, I, you know, a bit of bounce around the place, and you know, they look ahead to next weekend, think you get another two points in the bag. Where does it leave you? All of a sudden, you're looking upwards rather than downwards. So yeah, big, big, big victory for Ross Common yesterday. Yeah, and uh, the thing, sorry, Mikey, as well, just it kind of back up what Kiran is saying. Like the thing with a new manager, they shake it up. I just saw a quote from Davy Burke this morning, and he was on about the goals, and he said, "Who did the goals come from? Two subs and dismissing Kiran Murta. Those two two lads in their head might ask, why aren't they starting? It's competition, lads. So a new a new fellow comes in and he shakes it up. I mean." nearly all of us would expect Enda Smith to be starting and he reacted brilliantly when he came on and like you said a great pass for the goal so that's the value of a new manager when it goes well shaking it up and there's just that severe competition within the squad and it can get the best out of fellas mm. the, Tyrone obviously Rory a couple of years ago got that bounce with the new managers and uh, they had their customary um, disastrous All-Ireland uh, defence but this like Sean Cavanagh said last night he said this like Tyrone aren't in the same situation as Kerry or Donegal. This is pretty close to their full strength team. And, you know, you look at a full forward line of McShane, Donnelly and, and Canavan, and it's, it's pretty exciting. But like they, this, it wasn't a team good enough to to beat Roscommon away, despite kind of seeming to take the McKenna Cup pretty seriously. They're going to, you know, you think you're going to they're going to miss Conor McKenna. And just for a county with such a vibrant club scene, you would think, you know, Sean Cavanagh is not saying, oh, well, there's an X, Y, and Z to come in. It's kind of like, well, no, this is it. And it does seem like they might need a little bit of a a kind of a, just a little bit of a refresh, a competition that we're talking about with Ross Common. Yeah, but the, there's a couple of caveats that you probably have to attach to Tyrone, which you'd only hope are there for their sake, is that familiarity breeds contempt. They've came out, come out of a McKenna Cup. They're now gone into a Division One league campaign which is effectively like a mini Ulster league with four Ulster teams in there and then they'll face into an Ulster championship after that before they obviously go into the Sam Maguire 
Now, at this stage, they obviously know what are they going to be judged on. You mentioned this last week. It will be their championship performances at the end of the year. And I wouldn't... You, you just hope, for their sake, they're in the midst of a very heavy block of training, which may suggest and hint at some of the lethargy that crept, crept into their play yesterday when they got on top and allowed Ross Common to get back into the game. Mm. They've had a couple of big... Um, not, very notable absentees as well. Lads retiring, obviously Conor McKenna going back to Australia to give that another go. And they, as, as Sean Kavanagh mentioned last night, they're not missing a huge amount in terms of the players that they would ordinarily have. So the only other thing that you could maybe suggest is that there's just heavy legs going on at the minute, which might have resulted in the performance that we saw, certainly in the second half. But I wouldn't be overly worried either. Like Sean mentioned last night that he's very, very worried. I wouldn't, I, I, like, I think taking an absolutist position on any team or any performance or any result at this time of the year is a fool's errand. And um, there's plenty of football left in the year for Tyrone yet. Okay, that's this week's RTGA podcast. We'll chat to you again next week. No, <laughs> no, I take your point. And like we have been saying, you know, it is the first round of the league. Um, and it, yeah. it's, it was a fantastic first round. I should mention that as well. I mean, some of the football we saw across the, across the, across the, all, well, all, certainly all three leagues anyway that I saw, like fantastic, mm. like a really good open yeah. start. Well, uh, so we'll get on to, to Saturday Night in Castle Bar then. We'll, we'll discuss it briefly. You know, we've already kind of chatted about it. Eamon, yourself and Wheelow were both there. Um, to my to my experts, Junior BI, um, I just thought this, you know, obviously beforehand we were being told, you know, Kevin McStay, Lee Keegan said it here last week, said Kevin McStay, he's going to look to kick the He'll want the ball kicked. He won't, you know, we'll kind of turn away from the running game, probably partly because himself and Mullen aren't there, obviously, etc. But um. I got the impression that Mayo were getting the ball in all right, but it was getting in there before they kind of had them their attack set, so the ball was going in quickly. But oftentimes it was then being worked back out again. It was almost as if they had the plan to kick it in long, but they hadn't actually developed the second step of the plan. And now, obviously, again, first week, I'm sure they'll build on that. But it did seem that the intent was there, but perhaps the, the structure wasn't there to exploit it. Yeah, there... <sighs> It's debatable, definitely, Mikey, whether there is going to be this huge kicking element to their game. Um, they did, Ryan O'Donoghue got a good point in the first half from a ball kicked inside from Jordan Flynn. Um, but outside of that, there wasn't a huge pile of kicking from Mayo. John Daly was sitting inside at the in the middle of the D the whole time. He was taking away obvious kicks inside there. But what I felt looking at the game was they weren't even looking to kick it really in the middle third. They weren't looking to kick it inside fast whether that was just they aren't used to it yet or whether it was a, a tactical decision they made, I'm not sure. Um, when Aidan O'Shea came on, uh, Matthew Ruan got the black card almost immediately, so we didn't get much of a chance to have a look at him inside there, even though he was in and out and he was showing for ball inside there. Again, I didn't see the Mayo lads looking inside and really actively looking to kick the ball into him, so... Um, if it's a work in progress, there's a good bit of work to be done in it. Uh, I think that the way they set up defensively as well, they got an awful lot of bodies back behind the ball out of possession when Galway were building slowly and they just didn't have the structure to kick then. There was no one to kick the ball to, so they had to run the ball a bit then and uh, there was a few kicks for the sake of it. But I wonder, are we all overestimating the appetite for, for Mayo to, to kick the ball? Is this 
a bit more of the same at the moment and maybe as the season's going on, they'll add elements to it. Um, whereas I certainly didn't see the same sea change that was there for Meath yesterday against Cork, where it was clear they were actively kicking the ball from all over the field. So um, I'm not sure if we're if we're overselling it a bit, Mikey, maybe. Yeah, perhaps. Um, at the back wheel, obviously, they've, they've lost a couple of, you know, kind of, big figures you know they had a, a rookie goalkeeper as well a debutante goalkeeper um who probably wasn't helped by the fact that the corner forward was marking Matthew Tierney when that ball dropped in but um there's which is in itself was a sign that you know that there's definitely things to be worked on in the Mayo defense which has been of course like their you know their main building block in in, in years like the Mayo defense has been kind of you know, it's been it's been their foundation and also the starting point for their attacks. And it just it seems there's a lot there for Kevin to work on. There seems to be a lot of promise, but this is this is definitely kind of a you know, this is a project that you know we're not going to see it come to fruition in week two, three, or even four of the league, are we? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're not going to see radical change, uh, and 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 they can't change all aspects of the game so quickly. And probably there's no doubt Mayo will have. Are targeting the first three or four games to get a performance and try and get results. You know, I think of Armagh, Tyrone, Kerry. They've a tough start to the league, um, and I, I wasn't expecting to see radical change. Being honest, definitely, you know, you could see in the first half they're they're definitely dropping off a lot more and not playing, but maybe the high press and they they try to squeeze go in the middle third and in, in in the first half, um, and trying to get a rotating sweeper. Uh, plus one back when when the opportune time arrives. I thought in the second half they they, they sat a little deeper, um, and I, I felt in the second half that their their old DNA kind of kicked in where they ran the ball a lot more and it was quite effective. It looked like they could breach Galway a little bit more effectively that way, uh, and and maybe they maybe that was something they consciously made a decision to do. They adapted the conditions because uh, they looked quite dangerous when 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 they done that. So. I think it's like Everton, Mikey, you have to, you know, it's grand saying, yeah, we're going to implement a kicking game, but who are you kicking it to <laughs> sometimes? And have they the ability to win it, win that ball? Is it the type of player? Is it a Damien Comer? Or is it somebody in there that's going to win, that it's going to stick? So I, I, I think, listen, their work in progress, it was very hard to really identify any big, significant pattern change at, at the weekend. Um, I do think... I think Galway are going to be in good shape, lads. I think Galway are going to be a, a serious outfit. I, I would think Parry Joyce went home very, very happy. Obviously, they, they nearly stole it, and they'd be probably a little miffed they didn't get the two points. But Galway definitely fatigued, and you could see they didn't have the same amount of work done in the second half. And 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 if you break down, like they didn't play particularly well, but still got out with a point. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, 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 the forward line, obviously Rob Finnerty went off. Damon Comer definitely tired, even though Dave, Dave McBride done a reasonably good job on him. Burke made it. Um, or Ian Burke obviously didn't play. Peter Cook made a big contribution. Cook was very he, impressive, wasn't he? he? I thought he, he, was, he, he was everywhere. He came in. You know, you're going to have, I said, Ian Burke to come back, the likes of Tom O'Callaghan to come back, Shane Walsh to come back. You know, they've got, you know, a good bit of depth in that forward line. Uh, they have a very strong, obviously, midfield. And again, Conroy probably faded a bit and Killian McDade was heavily banned. I think they just haven't got maybe uh, the work in the legs. But I think defensively, they would have been very happy with Owen Kelly, Neil Mulcahy. You know, they have to find maybe a couple of defenders with Silk and Malloy out. So I think Galway 
will be very happy with that performance considering where they are at. And you could definitely see that the point meant a lot more to, to Mayo because they dug it out of the fire. But uh, for me, Galway, just in terms of the quality they have and how they're going to improve as the year goes on, I think I think they're a couple of notches ahead of Mayo at the moment. Yeah, and Roy, the, the, the kind of probably what was the talking point with Galway the whole way through the championship last year was probably goalkeeper position and kickouts, and that's something the Mayo target, and every team is going to target that. So if nothing else, Pork Joyce is going to have plenty of time to work on <laughs> the, the, the the kick out strategy because it's the kind of it, it is an area I think where the opposition are going to be be looking at Galway and as a point of weakness. Well, I think um, Eamon, did you mention in your piece for the Examiner this morning, or was it yesterday morning, or that, or sorry, this morning that um they have he has this short one that he gets away now and he gets it away pretty comfortably. But I think look, they're probably it's it's time to pick and stick. From a goalkeeper's perspective, he has chopped and changed quite a bit. Looks like Gleason is the man. I mean, I don't necessarily think his distribution was his major flaw. I mean, if you go back to the championship last year, he did get caught a number of times with just simple route ones, but they can catch an awful lot of goalkeepers depending on the quality of the ball that goes in. Um, I th- yeah, I think Wheelow's spot on. I think Galway will be are in a very, very healthy place adding that little bit of depth, having the likes of Peter Cook and um, Ian Burke to come back into the mix is really, you know, a lot of, look, it offsets, I suppose, the loss of Silk and Malloy. Um, but I, I thought Sean Kelly was immense again. Great leadership there. They're much more economical in possession, I'd suggest. Like, they're very, very clinical up front. You don't see them... You know, they're almost Dublin-esque once they get the ball into a scoring position. Um, when Dublin were at their at their peak and at their pump, their, their shot to percentage ratio, I'd imagine, is quite high without having the facts or figures in front of me. And um, yeah, I'd say, you know, they're building building really well and I'm in for a big year. Yeah. I won't I won't tip him to win the All Ireland just yet, Eamon. I'll just give him another couple of weeks. Just let me just let me get a sense of it. Um Speaking of goalkeepers, I mean, it was an interesting game at Buffin Castle. Blaney, uh, Ethan Rafferty and, and Rory Beggin both had moments moments to forget and moments that kind of stamped them out as, as what they are. You know, Beggin is a, a a goalkeeper turned attacker and Rafferty is an attacker turned goalkeeper. And uh, it was a little bit hard to tell which was which the other night for, for a time. But it, it looked like a very entertaining game of football. And Armagh do look like a team who are taking the league seriously to an extent, are they? Hard to tell. I think so. Yeah, no, I I think they I think all teams are, Mikey, to be honest about it. Like Rory mentioned it earlier, I don't know what way the season is going to pan out. Our team's going to go hard early and pull the handbrake a bit as championship comes into view. Or could teams stay going hard for the league, take a bit of a sus during um the provincial championships if you're if you have your kind of guarantees, if you're the top half of division one. And you don't really need to get into a provincial final. Could the provincial final be the possible block of training to get ready for the, the mm. group stages and go from there then? So there's that's where Kerry have the big advantage. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
is there a need for that health warning about the first weekend in ja- or the last weekend in January and uh, they're picking at the uh, Kerry in the Munster Championship already but uh, yeah thanks because the Leinster Championship is an absolute fair pass yeah the Leinster Championship is not much better but you won't have Jack O'Connor complaining about the lack of games this year he'd be happy to take his little breeder in Munster I'd say yeah I I missed the thing where the Leinster Championship had developed into a monster like the Ulster Championship um, but uh, so so yeah so our are taking it seriously of course Mikey and there um, you know it's unlike Rory begging to make two mistakes in a row with the sharp kick out and he probably should have saved the goal shot like this it looked like he had it saved and he almost he was trying to pat it down to himself or something but um, what I'd be more worried about for Monaghan was the fact that Fergal Kelly got a hamstring injury in the warm up and then Jack McCarron got a hamstring injury in the first minute of the game so You'd be questioning, is there something S&C-wise or something in terms of their volume or training or something going on there? Because it's not ideal to get two soft tissue injuries like that. And uh, down Connor McManus and the Hughes is already uh, Jack McCarron now probably out for next weekend for a trip to Kerry. It's a tough start for Monaghan straight away. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be one to watch. I, I, I think we were we were on to Monaghan today and they're not too concerned about McCarron. It doesn't seem to be anything too major, which is good okay. because any kind of a, you know, a block of weeks now at this time of year is, is you know, because the season is so condensed. Um, we'll, we'll spin on quickly to Division 2, um, where uh, Dublin are obviously um, uh, <laughs> operating this year. And uh, lucky to get the win, Wheeler, let's be honest. It was... Uh, Probably closer than they wanted. Seeing as the last time they played Kildare in that venue, it was five seventeen to one fifteen. So a uh, little bit of dirty diesel to be burned off by Desi's boys, I think, is there? You've taken the words straight out of my mouth. I was going to say there was a there was a lot of dirty diesel probably from Dublin. Um, now you got to suppose put in context they didn't field any of those players in the preseason competition. So it's first night out really. Uh, very few games under the belt. So you know, but they went with a strong enough team. Um, but definitely. You know, a lot of rustiness there, kind of caught flat-footed in defence a few times. Uh, credit to Kildare. Uh, I think I'm touching on the likes of Jack Robinson was was very, very lively. And when he ran at Dublin, he caused them all sorts of problems and kicked kicked a good few scores. Um, you know, I thought Dublin's counter-attacking was good at times, um, but obviously it was the final third was where they really fell down. Uh, I think they had 30, 30 chances in front of goal and some of the shot options. Yeah. And decision making uh, was really, really poor, and, and I'm sure that's something that Desi's gonna they'll focus in on. But I, I, I pull a lot of it down to sheer rustiness and lack of game time. Uh, Kildare probably be disappointed they didn't take the opportunity while it was there um, and, and 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 get something out of the game. Um, you, you got a sense when Fenton's goal went in that you know Dublin were going to kick on, but they didn't, uh, and uh, they just barely got over the line. But there's positives from Kildare's perspective to take from from the game as well, um, and 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 they look to kick on now against Cork next week. But uh, Dublin will get better. They will get mm. better. Uh, as I said, just getting getting rid of that thirty days. I'm making. Speaking of Cork, Rory, that was mm. um, <laughs> like a bit of a clinker down there in Parky Cueve yesterday, and yeah. um, wondering what we will get from Colm O'Rourke's mead. Goals, goals is what we're going to get yeah. from Colm O'Rourke's mead. Should we be surprised? <laughs> Not really. Um, I... I think there. What, what's what's that all like? I mean, I thought Mead again. Shane Walsh was the story, really, from a Mead's perspective. Superb player. Obviously, had a 
very serious injury there for and was out for a few years. So he's a massive plus for them coming back in. Cork couldn't get a handle on him at all. And um, yeah, they kicked, as Wheelo mentioned earlier, I mean, the kicking from, or was it Eamon? Like the, they were spraying balls all over the field. It was very impressive to watch at times. Now they didn't get their first point on the board until the 16th minute. They started quite slowly. Cork started quickly. But um, it's a huge fill-up because I'd say it was a game that John Cleary probably targeted. I mean, given Cork's run of fixtures after this, they might struggle now for to put points on the board. But I saw people describe it as a shambles from Cork. I mean, I, Jesus, I wouldn't be going that far now either. I don't think there'd be any panic really. Yet. You've got to bear in mind the two Cork universities are deep in Sigerson territory at the minute. Um, they were all playing on during the week and they're playing again this Tuesday and Wednesday and I think there's 14 of the panel involved across UCC and MTU so I don't know if there's any other inter-county team that would have that many players um, attached to Sigerson football at this time of the year then you throw into the mix Cahal O'Mahony who is obviously heavily involved with his club hurling because he plays junior hurling with Bally Giblin they won the All-Ireland junior title he'd probably be Cork's most dangerous and certainly most potential forward so he hasn't really had the kind of off-season that everybody is making it out and um, but it was still disappointing I mean they put 19 scores on the board and lost the game I don't think there's you can make all the excuses that you want. I think it probably goes back to cliche territory. You don't become a bad team overnight. And I think from Cork's perspective, the opposite is the case. You don't become a good team overnight either. I think they're a very much a work in progress. And I think they just need to put the head down, keep building, trying up their fitness levels, faded again in the last 20 minutes, which seems to be a persistent affliction for them. But there are signs of improvement I would suggest Rory yeah. I think they're, they're the, the biggest challenge for them now because I think yes the game was was a significant result because you would expect mm. Cork and Mead had ambitions to be on the coattails maybe of Dublin and Derry and being in Kildare, yeah. for, for for like they have to go to Kildare next week yeah. having we know like, how, even how even in their pump even in their pump they would yeah, they would have like always Kildare, come, you know? Kildare generally very good at home and very then, good. then they've Dublin coming down around three mm. you know so mm. It changes the dynamic, you know. Mm. That one result can change the whole dynamic exactly. for them, and so it could be challenging a couple of weeks from. Yeah, and interested in old Eamon after it's it's been kind of the a problem position for me for a few years was uh, goalkeeper um, Harry Hogan from the highlights last night at least made a couple of excellent saves. As did Michal Martin. Made Michal Martin made one double save that was phenomenal. It just seemed to be a game with a lot of goal mouth action. That's exactly what you want, really. But um. There's Shane Walsh who got a one-two from play, I think, as a inside forward for me. Looks, looks very promising. So, Colm O'Rourke having said, there's no players that Mead haven't unearthed. You know, when he was in the punditry chair, he said that everybody who is possibly could be tried out has been tried out. Um, so obviously he's either gone back to the well or he's been uh, creating footballers in a lab. But there's some, you know, there there's positivity there for Mead who haven't had a great deal of positivity of late. No, a big time, Mikey, and I think that Colm organised those trial games, those regional trial games before Christmas, and it was about looking at basically every single player in the county, and I think there's talk within Meat itself about having a couple of um, North Meat defenders involved is 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 important, and it's a kind of a traditional thing, but... Uh, <laughs> Look, to be fair to Colm, we, we know what he's going to what he's going to bring in terms of his organisation, his experience, his philosophy around the game, his confidence, his personality. 
um, that's only going to that's going to improve a setup. But um, getting a big result like that yesterday, I think, like with Cork, to be fair to them, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Rory. I think part of the fatigue thing is coming down to their style of football and their the running game. That that is a very wearing game to keep yeah. going for for seventy plus minutes. And the other thing that I think um, I saw <clears throat> Paddy Kelly mentioning it as well this morning in the, in the examiner is Sean Powder's positioning, yeah. you know, that yeah. he's playing centre forward. And I absolutely get why they're they're putting him there because of the punch he gives. But last year, I think... He was Kirk's very effective seeding. in that sweeper role, Eamon. I couldn't yeah, understand exactly. that for the life of me at all yesterday. Uh, sorry, go on. Like... Last year in the league, they conceded nine goals during the course of the league, and he was missing for a lot of that. And then he played as that sweeper against Kerry in Dublin, and they didn't concede a goal. He was very good in the championship in, in that position. So that's possibly something they'll look at. But um, certainly from Mead's perspective, uh, Mike, he was a very positive start and good to see the style they're playing and everything else. Where I think that'll get interesting Cork facilitated that style yesterday with the way they played as well. But if you're coming up against a lout, for example, that are going to play a lot of bodies back, are they going to be able to kick it as much? Are they going to be able to play that game? And when they're not allowed to do that, then what are they going to look like then? But uh, definitely a, a positive start. And like you said, Hogan and Goals is good. He, early on, his kick out wasn't working as well as he would have liked, but he settled into it. And for a fella in his first day out, he certainly performed very well as the game went on. Yeah, um, just to finish then, Wheeler, just the other the other notable results were in Division 2. Where... Exford in London, was it, Mikey? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to talk about that yourself, do you? No, no, I don't. I, I didn't see it. And, uh, London or the no, Boulder? My, my, my man at the ground had very uncomplimentary things to say. My dad, he was... <laughs> I wouldn't repeat them on the national airwaves. Um, he's he's not expecting too much from this from 2023. No, uh, just sticking with Division Three. Um, there's Derry handing Limerick an unmerciful beating. Um, as as expected, Derry going bullheaded to two, to, yeah. to secure the promotion they probably thought they should have got last year, and then Clare um absolutely digging it out of the fire at home against Loud. It's just just to say, Wheelow, that. Derry and Dublin may be everybody's favourites to gain promotion here, but it's going to be, I think Division 2 is going to be absolutely enthralling with, as it should be, so many teams on a very similar level. Yeah, it's going to be great. And obviously, you know, I listened to Derry on the way down to Castle Bar and, you know, by all means, they're they're flying fit. Uh, they've a lot of work done and he has, he has pushed them fairly hard. Um and they're obviously trying to evolve to the next level, and 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 it it seems to be their model is to be able to play with a very very aggressive high press when required, but also be able to drop deep as well. So, a very demanding game plan. Um, I actually <clears throat> sitting in the car, and I actually was like genuinely feeling sorry for Ethan Doherty and Connor Glass for having to play, you know, you know, and play the full game. And you were thinking, I was struggling to get my head around that one, considering you know there's there's thirteen. Or what seventeen games possibly over in over twenty one weeks? Do you know what I mean, or whatever it is that the number of games we have in the next six months, and you just wonder mentally, do those guys just need a break after a difficult, difficult week, no doubt? Um, but Derry, are, Derry are gonna, you know, I'd say for Rory Galler, it's the winning habit. It's 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 they'll they want to get back to Division One. They want to win another championship. They'll be going gung ho for everything, I think. Uh, mm. But it'd be just interesting to see. Can they adapt? I don't think 
the test of Limerick is, 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 is something to be benchmarking them on. It was obviously a good win. They got the job done, but you would have expected them to get the job done, I think. Um, the other side, Clare, big win for Clare. You know, uh, we're behind yesterday. They, they dug it out of the fire in the last last couple of minutes. Uh, and and that's, a, that's a crucial game against Loud because like Mead and Cork, you know, probably at the same level. Uh, yep. And to, to dig that one out, coming from behind because they were down early on in the game and uh, that was a massive win for Clare yesterday yeah oh, huge and just to mention then division three wins for Fermanagh Hoffley down in Cavan and division four big win for Leitrim win for Leash draws between London Wexford Carlo Wicklow and Saigo Waterford lost so uh, for the those keeping track of our former colleagues uh, a draw for Kevin a draw for Oshin, a defeat for Desi and a win for Colum so um, we'll, we'll, we'll check in with the, on the lads every now and again and see if we can convince some of them to come on and tell us how much more they're enjoying life on the other side of the ditch. Um, but we're very glad to it's have fine. you, Eamon, and you, Kira, that you haven't jumped the ditch. Stay. How, how the lads will be enjoying it will be purely based on results. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's yeah. What we keep I'd say Colum's having the time of his life this yeah. week. Oh, <laughs> the others... Maybe a bit less so. Um, anyway, myself and Rory will be back on Thursday to um, preview round two of the Football League and round one of that most significant of competitions, the Allianz Hurling League, where every result and every match really, really matters. Honestly, honestly, tune in, we'll tell you, we'll, we'll prove it. Um, okay, we will chat to you on Thursday. Thank you very much to the lads. Good luck. Goodbye. by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it! 